I went to a marvelous party. Don't even know the facts. The they go with their ideas. gut. Don't have the only thing your gut cares about is money. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show, with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. Now, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, we're no, going no, no. to take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. The trial of one Jordan Ampersand who stands accused of trying to bomb the L.A. Pride Parade with a yellow Ferrari full of Semtex shall recommence henceforth. I'd like to remind those present in the courtroom today and those listening at home that this setup makes a lot more sense if you've downloaded episode 77 from the show archive at thedinnerpartyshow.com. The defendant joins us today via video uplink because he stands charged with plotting a heinous act of domestic terrorism, which clearly means he's very dangerous. Also, he's far too annoying for me to allow in my courtroom for longer than 30 seconds at a time. Whatever, I don't want to be in your stupid courtroom anyway. I don't need to be in- Also, this allows me to turn his mic on and off at will, which I have to tell you, after being a judge for many years, is one of the greatest privileges I've ever encountered. Testifying on behalf of the prosecution is one of Jordan's employers at the dinner party show, Mr. Eric Shaw Quinn. Could someone turn down the air conditioning? I said testifying, Mr. Quinn. Can you please, please turn down the air conditioning, dear love? Tree baby, Jesus, hallelujah! Mr. Quinn, that's the last I want to hear about the air conditioning. Let's get things started, shall we? For the past year and a half, Mr. Jordan Ampersand has been employed by the Dinner Party Show as their critic at large. He has chosen today to enter into evidence several of his past special reports because he feels they attest to his good character 
and abundant contributions to the community at large, a community he asserts he had no intention of blowing to smithereens. Is this a joke? Mr. Quinn, you have something to share. It better not be about the AC. So let me get this straight. Jordan is using his reports from our show to defend himself? <laughs> this ought to be good. How so? Let's just say, after the past year and a half with this moron, we're lucky our studio is still standing. All right, watch the language, bitchy Richardson. In the meantime, Mr. Ampersand, I have turned your mic back on. Do you have any opening remarks before we play the special reports you have entered into evidence today? I believe that my career with the dinner party show will speak for itself. Not if I speak for it first. And I think once you listen to my work, you will hear proof that I love the city I call home. It would never do anything to hurt it unless it was wearing something fugly. Also, you'll see that you can't send me to Guantanamo Bay because my contributions to society are way too important. Also, Eric and Christopher are lying cunt faces who totally framed me for an act of domestic terrorism, which, hello, didn't even happen. It didn't happen because the car was interceded by authorities when you were taken into custody. All right, all right, enough of this prefatory blather. Let's hear these alleged testaments to Mr. Ampersand's good character. And now... In keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. Hi, I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm. Some people will tell you that all drugs are bad. Fortunately for everyone cool, this just isn't true. If, like me, you're looking to chemicals to enhance your evening, night, later night, or early morning hours, or all four in a row really quickly, there's some easy guidelines you can follow to keep from turning into Lindsay Lohan. If you are offered something that looks like white powder, ask the person doing the offering if the drug was made in a trailer by someone who looks like your really fugly cousin who ruined your other cousin's wedding. If he says no, then it's cocaine and you're good to go. If you are offered a photo tube full of brightly colored Pez candy by someone hot, don't eat it. It's not Pez candy and they will find you three days later in a stairwell somewhere chewing your own toenails off. This didn't happen to me. I'm just saying it's not fucking Pez candy, okay? And now I'm sure some of you are asking, what about weed? It's almost legal now. I know. It's almost legal because like all things that are legal and stupid, it makes you sit still. Why not just go to the movies so you can be in the dark with the other not hot, not fun people? So there you go, hookers. Don't let the propaganda fool you. A judicious use of illegal drugs is the perfect way for a hot, cool person to replace their inner self with an inner soundtrack. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm. Okay, guys. Come on in. You must be... Jordan Ampersand. Right, the guy who landed the big Anne Rice interview for that new internet radio show. Who's Anne Rice? Um, you're going to interview her on the dinner party show, aren't you? I hope you are. That's actually the only thing that got you this meeting. Oh, that. No, that's Christopher's mom. She wrote Twilight. <laughs> Tragic. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, 
Who's your uh, little friend here? That's my bestie, Fitzpatrick. He's also my collaborator on my amazing movie idea that I'm here to talk about today. Mm, he's also uh, turning my desk lamp over and putting some kind of bearskin cap over it. Can he stop that, please? Well, actually, no, he can't. Because, see, actually, that's not a bearskin cap. That's a grocery bag covered in yak hair, which he says stabilizes my energy fields. See, Fitzpatrick is also my design director, which means he reconfigures any space I'm going to be in for longer than an hour. Mm -hmm. You should have seen what he was able to do at the free clinic. Tell him to sit down or the meeting's over. Fitzpatrick, maybe not with the glow stick sculpture of Diana Ross right now. <laughs> Will ocean zebras be joining us in the snow? Is he high? Always. Anyway, we are here because you are a big deal producer who makes movies that tons of people want to see. So you should totally make my movie because tons of people are going to want to see it. Well, a little confidence is always a good thing. Seriously, ask anyone. I'm amazing. And the guy who's chewing on my sofa right now? I don't taste dignity. Just fire lemons in the hair of a xylophone. Haha, <laughs> I think he's making a casting couch joke. I think he's drooling. As you can see, he's the eccentric side of our collaboration. And what side are you? The fun and fabulous side. Now, do you want to hear our movie idea or not? The sooner the better, kid. Okay, so there's this fun and fabulous guy who lives in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Everyone either loves him or wants to be him, and they're like, oh my God, you should get a blog, but you can't spell. So anyway, he gets a job at this totally cool fashion boutique on Melrose, only it's owned by a total cunt. All right, let's watch the language. Sorry, it's owned by a total twat. Let's stop demeaning women in our pitch, okay? Whatever, I'm allowed to say shitty things about women. I'm practically a girl. Not in my office. Um, yeah, no, I am like everywhere I go. Pitch your movie in the next 30 seconds where I'm throwing you and your sofa-munching friend out of the office. Okay, fine, big ball. So the totally not nice woman who owns the boutique fires our amazing hero for, like, no reason, but she alleges that there was some kind of shenanigans with the mannequins after hours that supposedly oh. the hero was involved in, but the hero insists that there are other ways all the store mannequins got made up weird and rearranged, besides one employee's totally fun recreations of scenes from Mannequin 2 on the move with Christy Swanson and Meshack Taylor. I see. So he's fired, and she doesn't care, and she doesn't listen, and she's like, nobody should have made a sequel to Mannequin anyway because the first one was stupid, so whatever. So he's like, I've had enough, and he leaves and she's all like, I'm glad you're leaving because I fired you like 30 minutes ago, so there. Okay, so what happens in this movie is an idiot gets fired. No, that's just the first part. The second part is where Fitzpatrick comes in. Are you ready, Fitzpatrick? Yes. Then go. Then the Dog Kings will Open the curtain, women, and the dancing jewels will fall tumbly-tumbly all over the elephant square dancers and their Sasquatch overlords. The end. Oh, fuck me. We're open to that, too, if it gets us greenlit. But isn't it fun that we already have the title? There was a title in there? Yes. Shenanigans with Mannequins. Like all good movies, it begins with what happened to me, and then the second half is just like, who gives a shit? Let's animate it like Pixar. Yeah, I seem to remember Argo being just like that. Oh my God, Argo sucked. It was two hours of people walking quickly and answering phones. Our movie has mannequins and elephant square dancers. Yeah, what exactly are elephant square dancers? Fitzpatrick, jump in here. Oh. Oh, oh, shh, he's sleeping. He's not sleeping. How do you know? Because if he was sleeping, he would be breathing. Fitzpatrick!
Patrick, you totally overdosed in our pitch meeting. This isn't cool. Um, by any chance, do you have a wheelchair and an EpiPen? No, but we've got a great security guard. I'm calling him right now. Thank you. Ask them if they can bring a town car and not an SUV. Uh, this is a little intense for me. A deranged drug addict just died in my office during the worst pitch I've ever heard. Join the club. What? Like he's the first drug addict you've ever met in Hollywood? Are you a dragon? Fitzpatrick, you're better. I think our pitch went awesome. Hi, everyone at the dinner party show. This is Jordan Ampersand coming to you from outside of the movie theater at The Grove in beautiful Los Angeles, where I just saw the new Star Trek movie. Joining me today is my best friend, Fitzpatrick, although he's not going to be my best friend for very much longer if he keeps this up. Stop crying and say hi, Fitzpatrick. Why is everyone at the movie so rude? They all push and shove and eat their candy so loud. Fitzpatrick, why did you get sober? This is horrible. I'm over there during our pitch meeting with a big Hollywood producer. Yeah, but we got an option after the meeting, so sounds like it was a good strategy to me. You didn't get an option. We got an email. They're the same thing. No, they're not, Jordan. The email said we were never allowed to go back on the lot again. Whatever. We wanted to make a movie. We didn't want to work on their stupid lot. They make movies on the lot, Jordan, and I already had a job there. I worked in the canteen. They fired me. Maybe I can get a job here at the movie theater, but everyone here is so mean. Why do people text during movies? It's so rude. That was me, and I was not texting. I, know. I was taking notes for my very serious movie review, which we've still not gotten to because you're so busy being sober. Oh my god, I just realized how could you do this to me now? Gay Pride is just a few weeks away, and we're supposed to do parade coverage for the dinner party show. Why they hate you? No, what they are trying to understand me, which is a big difference. That's why they keep asking me back on the show. They keep asking you back because AMY's fans love to make fun of you. Oh, really? Then how come I'm supposed to interview her the next time she comes on the show? How come she has no plans to come on the show? Okay, that is enough. Now, I let you come with me today because you said if I left you home alone, you would either start painting or drawing stupid crap about your feelings. Uh-huh. And I cannot deal with bad, sober art uh. now that we're in swimsuit season because it makes me stressy. Please, enough. Chill. <sighs> okay, 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 okay. Star Trek Into Darkness. It's in 3D. Oh, my God, so what? Like, everything's in 3D now. Pretty soon, they're all going to be like real life now in 3D. Real life is in 3D. That's the point, Jordan. Okay, you were starting to sound a lot like Eric Shaw Quinn. Actually, Shut up! If I wanted to go to the movies with Eric, I'd be in some old-time British woman's movie where British women talk about old people things, and it's all supposed to be interesting just because they're wise and have a lot of life experience, and then two old people would kiss, and it would horrify me because I don't like old people kissing. Anyway, okay, this movie, Star Trek Into Darkness, is about a ship that goes into the stars, and Chris Pines looks really hot when he cries, and that's good because he cries a lot. Uh Zoe Saldana is fierce as always, but it's not in it enough because the big talk of this movie is the villain, and the villain is played by Marmaduke Happenslatch, and because he's the villain, he's British, and thinks he's all smart and talks in big words, so they try to capture and defeat him because who likes a big smarty pants when you're in space? I know I don't. The other critics are all very impressed 
impressed with Burner Sloot Haberdash's performance, but personally, I'm not feeling it. Maybe I'm just too stressed out about the infiltration of Hollywood by British actors just because they talk good and do a better job. Personally, I would rather actors from Eastern Europe be taking over all good roles because I've seen porn films from there, and those guys are totally hot until they're like 24. So anyway, <laughs> that's my movie review. Star Trek Into Darkness is in 3D and stars British guy Metternich Happenstance, and I was just like, whatever. <gasps> Jordan, you're a terrible movie critic. Fitzpatrick, I have had enough. I am going home now to take care of me because this has been an awful, awful day. You, on the other hand, are going to walk home and on the way, I want you to buy drugs from someone and take them because you're stressing me the fuck out. We have something here, Fitzpatrick, and it's too valuable to be messed with just because you were legally dead for 15 seconds. You are a horrible person. Why am I friends with you? Get high again and you'll remember. Now that's it. I'm leaving. Watch where you're going, little girl. Fuck you. I'm a 32-year-old man. You're how old? Fitzpatrick. Drugs. Now. Order. Order. Well, clearly we have a courtroom full of Star Trek fans in here today, and if you don't quiet down, I'll hold you all in contempt. I don't care what you thought of the original franchise. Thanks, Judge. None of this is on your behalf, young man. You stand accused of a terrible crime, Mr. Ampersand. I assumed you were going to provide us with clips that were testaments to your good character. I did. What? Are you really going to send me to Cuba for the rest of my life just because I still don't know how to pronounce Baba Ganoush Whiplash's name? Wait, are Cubans hot? Mr. Quinn, do you have anything to add here? Oh, no, Your Honor. Jordan is making a great case all by himself. I'll hold my comments for later. Thanks. All right, well, let's continue with these demonstrations of Mr. Ampersand's solid character and community contributions. And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. Hi everyone, I'm Jordan Ampersand and this is Best Served Warm. Are you not hot? It's okay, other people are not hot too. And there are lots of things not hot people can do to make themselves feel better about themselves. Like getting a job as a lawyer who's not on television or living on the East Coast. But just remember, don't be mean to hot people just because you're not one of them. And if you're out on a date with someone who's hot, don't make fun of them just because they got confused about how evolution really works. That's not cool, and it doesn't make you hot too. It just makes you bitter and old. So remember, there are lots of things not hot people can do to contribute to the world, and being a smartass isn't one of them. I'm Jordan Ambersand, and this was Best Served Warm. Hi everyone at the dinner party show. 
I'm critic at large, Jordan Ampersand, and I love the movies. When I first started working for the dinner party show, I thought critics only went to see movies. And then Angry Mouth Grumpy Pants, otherwise known as Eric Shaw Quinn, was all like, no, you have to do things besides seeing movies, like go to restaurants and don't get thrown out for being drunk, or go to the museum and don't just hang out in the gift shop stealing fun t-shirts in a boy size extra small. So finally, after months and months of not being able to talk about movies at all, except for my Star Trek Into Darkness review, which has gotten me all kinds of hate mail from nerds just because I didn't say Marmaduke Cotton Patch's name right or whatever. Anyway, I have finally been set free to talk Hollywood, so get ready, hookers. First, allow me to address the completely arbitrary and ridiculous distinction between real movies and porn. Is there a better coming-of-age story on film than William Higgins's The Young and the Hung? It's about a guy who goes around in a pickup truck and has all kinds of sex. This movie totally spoke to my experience, only without the truck. But apparently mainstream America is all about celebrating movies in which people change something besides their position in bed. Anyway, this terrible injustice is too big for me to battle in one segment, so I leave it to you, fellow Americans. Okay, since I knew I wasn't going to be able to talk about most of the movies I actually watch, I pulled my closest friends and asked them which movies changed them into better people who watched more movies. I was pretty surprised by their answers. I started with my best friend Fitzpatrick, who is going to be a totally important designer one day if he doesn't have a totally important overdose first. Anyway, he was all about some movie directed by a German guy who's dead. I think the guy's name was Raining Assbender, but I'm not sure. Anyway, it's called A Year with 13 Moons, and it's about this drag queen who's really quiet and boring, which kind of defeats the whole point of being a drag queen, right? I didn't get it. I turned it off finally because she was walking everywhere and I was like, take a cab, girl. Those are good shoes. Next, I called my friend Black Lawrence Merriweather, who owns an ironic scarf store, and I asked him what his favorite movie was, and he was like, it's E.T. And I was like, what? That movie's horrible. A small Chinese man who can't talk right shows up in your backyard and you're so all about Asian stereotypes you won't let him drive his own bike. That movie is so racist. Personally, I'm disappointed in Black Lawrence Merriweather who apparently fails to see that there are other races besides the white boys he wants to sleep with. I mean, there have been so many movies about how far black people have come. You know, movies like The Help or Medea's Family Reunion or Tyler Perry's Temptation where everyone who's not monogamous gets HIV and decides never to have sex again. We have to recognize progress where it happens and oh my god, stop with the emails already. Yes, he told us to call him Black Lawrence so it's not racist and shut up. So obviously, since I can't talk about the porn movies that have really affected me deeply and because my best friends are either racist or high, I had to make a decision for myself about what my favorite movie is. And the winner is, drum roll please, The Adventures of Milo and Otis. It's a movie I saw when I was a kid and it's about a cat and a pug who become friends and it's so awesome. 
If you don't believe me, take the word of film critic Diana Stetko, who writes, This tension between the permissible and the forbidden, between exterior and interior, between the illusion of freedom and captivity, between light and darkness, becomes the organizing principle of Bertolucci's spectacular epic. Okay, actually, she wrote that about The Last Emperor, which has a lot of good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. But my point is the same. It's a great movie about a dog and a cat having adventures. Where's my cat? Oh, she died at the white party. Okay, I don't want to be talking about movies or cats anymore. And Eric Shaw Quinn is making weird hand signals at me from the booth. So I'm going to go now before they try to suffocate me again with a fumigation tent. Goodbye, party people. This has been Jordan Ampersand, critic at large. Remember, porn movies are real movies, and I'm amazing. Hey, huckers, it's me, Jordan Ampersand, critic at larger for the dinner party show, coming to you from outside of the movie theater at the Grove here in beautiful Los Angeles. Eric is off somewhere being loud and old, and today I'm joined for a summer movie roundup by my best friend Fitzpatrick. Caterpillar salad dressing. Okay, and my new best friend, uber fun stylist to the people who walk on the same sidewalks as stars, Natasha. Feel my fame. <laughs> so fabulous. Thanks for joining us today, Natasha. The pleasure is all yours. She's so fun. In case you're wondering, Natasha and I met when I was buying drugs from her. So, with summer almost over, it's time to review the hits and misses of this crazy summer movie season. So, Fitzpatrick, what was your favorite movie this summer? Hmm, I love the one of the orange people from Japan. Okay, Pacific Rim. I love that one, too. Charlie Hunnam was in it, and in the beginning, he had to go inside of his hot brother's mind to drive a giant robot. It was kind of like... What if gay porn from Eastern Europe had a big budget? I don't think that's what he meant, Jordan. I think he's just high and crazy. Okay, we'll give him something to make him uncrazy because I need him to do this segment. Let me check my purse. Thank you. Anyway, if you've been following my reports on the Dinner Party Show, you're well aware that I declared Man of Steel to be a hate crime because its star, Henry Cabs, is way too hot and not apparently gay. In this supposedly more enlightened time of gay marriage and Katy Perry and Lady Gaga leaking their singles in the same weekend, I don't think it's acceptable to have your movie star be unable to sleep with his gay audience. So sorry, Man of Steel, but it's 2013, not 20 mean. Also, Elysium, whatever, Matt Damon, super hot as always. Take a shower before you do your next movie. Gross. Here, Crazy Fitzpatrick, take this. Mmm, my palate of feeling shame. How long did it take to work? Instantly. All right, Natasha, what about your movie picks for the summer? I don't go see movies. I am movies. There's a movie in my heart. There's a movie in my head. And there's even a better movie in my vagina, if you give me a job. Um, can we not talk about vaginas so that our friendship will stay fun? Movies emanate from my soul, and I live inside of them all the time. There's no need for me to see them outside of myself. I am Natasha. I contain multitudes. Like that poem by the dead gay guy with the beard. Okay, Fitzpatrick. Jordan, I'm percent. I submit to you that despite your shallow indictment of it, earlier this summer, Star Trek Into Darkness is a work of sterling cinematic craftsmanship, which deserves a second look from your jaundiced eye. 
the fuck? What did you give him? It's a new drug from Mexico. Well, clearly nobody's taking it there. That's so racist, Jordan. Aren't you Russian? I've abandoned ethnicity. I'm not feeling heard. Um, Fitzpatrick, this is kind of a first for us. I'm not sure I'm ready to hear what you're actually feeling. What I'm feeling is that the movie industry is currently beset by a fanboy culture that resorts to bullying when its slavish devotion to source material isn't adhered to by Hollywood filmmakers. We must at some point concede that when franchises like Star Trek are rebooted, that it is the job of the filmmakers to incorporate new elements which will reach new and younger segments of the audience, thereby introducing them to the central and possibly immortal themes embedded in the work itself. Whatever, I just thought it was stupid because I couldn't pronounce that guy's name. Barner's salute happens now. It's Benedict Cumberbatch, you puerile, coke-snorting moron. Natasha, give him something that will make him vomit now. Seriously, we are on thin ice here. I don't know what pure island means, but it doesn't sound like a place I want to visit for very long. It means childishly silly or trivial. Oh, that's not so bad. Wait, I hate children. They're annoying. Indeed, annoying is the perfect word to describe this preposterous movie roundup composed of a little more than your shallow, hormone-driven dismissals of various films you can barely remember anything about thanks to Natasha and her sequin purse of delights. Be as smug as you'd like, Jordan Ampersand, but when one is provided with a microphone and a platform to deliver one's voice to a wider audience, there is a responsibility there, a responsibility to ensure that one's opinions are informed by something other than an insatiable hunger for the pornographic. Is something gonna pop out of his stomach? Not with this drug, no. I have had enough, dear friends. All of a sudden, I am possessed by a desire for a rich and expansive dialogue about our popular culture, one that takes into account the positive communal effects of large Hollywood films and treats them with the same regard as we currently hold for past forms of popular entertainment, such as Shakespeare plays or public murals. This must begin here and now at the Grove, where the great crowds of summer are still assembled. I am Fitzpatrick. Let it begin with me. A curse on both your houses. Fun, why do you have a taser? I work with some strange people. Will we ever be normal again? It should wear off by the time he's conscious again. Should we just leave him here? No. Let's put him on the trolley, and then he can ride back and forth until he wakes up. That sounds like a fun way to regain consciousness. And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. Hi, I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm. Are you tired of art? Are you tired of the damage art does to your friendships? 
Are you tired of friends who move to Venice Beach and become weird and make miniature cities out of old toothbrushes and expect you to drive like a million years out to the boardwalk so you can watch them set them on fire before the cops show up on segways and everyone has to start running? This is what art does to people. And just because you live in a big city that's fun and full of cool things doesn't mean you have to like art or what it does to your close friends. Fashion is not art. It's better. You can take it off after a few hours. Art never goes away. And why do people who like to sketch end up living in such sketchy neighborhoods? Do they just not understand the word? There are simple steps you can follow to protect yourself when your friends come down with a case of art. If one of them invites you to their art opening, just tell them you're allergic to exposed pipes and 15-year-old Moby songs. If one of them tells you they're doing a play and they can't describe the story in like three lines or name a song from it, that means it's performance art and you have to kill them. Seriously, you have to stop them. Performance art needs to be stopped. I went to this one thing like last year downtown and I still have fish scales up my butt and I can't hear out of my right ear. I fucking hate performance art. Anyway, don't let art ruin your friendships the way it is ruining some of mine who shall remain nameless until Dimitri Sandals gets his brain back and moves back from the beach like a normal gay. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm. Hello, people with no plans who listen to the dinner party show. I'm critic at large Jordan Ampersand. As many of you may remember, a condition of my continuing participation in the dinner party show was that I be allowed to interview Christopher's mother, world-famous novelist Anne Rice. Well, the wait is long over, I am happy to say. And I would like to introduce you to a super important, very famous author who wrote a book that was a lot like Twilight, only for older gays. Welcome to the dinner party show, Anne Rice. I love the red drapes. They're gorgeous. I love the red drapes, too. Red is my favorite color. Everything is just very nice here. So you're Christopher's mom? I wouldn't say that, really. Wait, you're not? Oh, my God, scandal. Does that mean Christopher has been lying to everyone about being your son? I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right either. Are you okay? That's ridiculous. It totally is. How do you plan to put a stop to his lies and his deceivings, and do you need my help? We're not going to eat Welsh's Junior Mints because of the John Birch Society. Oh, okay. If that makes sense to you, that's totally what we'll do. But in the meantime, earlier we had brunch, and then we went shopping, and so you had a lot of time for me to have an impact on you and your work. How would you describe me and how will you depict me when you make me a character in one of your books? Rockstar singer, poet, Oracle, Cassandra. That's so sweet. Who's Cassandra? Is she someone you dress up like vampires with? What the hell are you doing in here and why is Fitzpatrick in the booth? We're not going to eat Welsh's Junior Mints because of the John Birch Society. We're not going to eat Welsh's Junior Mints because of the John Birch Society. Turn that off and get out of there, Fitzpatrick, and take my pen out of your mouth. That's not your pen. That's his crack pipe. It helps him focus. You promised me I could interview Anne Rice, and it hasn't happened yet, so I decided to do my own interview because I'm amazing. Were you just editing yourself into clips of her old interviews? Yes, but it felt really authentic. Lying about Christopher not being her son? That felt authentic to you? Are you completely insane? He's got a book coming out in three months, and you're trying to destroy his only marketing angle? Yes! 
Good evening. I'm Christopher Rice, and my first supernatural thriller, The Heavens Rise, releases on October 15th. But you can pre-order it now from Amazon, iBooks, and Barnes & Noble. It's a truly terrifying read that's garnered rave reviews from Charlene Harris and Peter Strobe. Also, Jordan Ampersand isn't in it because he's a nasty little fuck. Who has time to read? People who aren't deranged drug addicts. How did you get into the studio without me? I have a key. You what? Fitzpatrick made me a key while he was high. All right, so the janitor left the door unlocked. You are ignoring the elephant in the womb. Room. It's elephant in the room. There is no elephant in here. Just one deranged little rhesus monkey who always acts like he's just had a Red Bull enema. My friend died from one of those. She had uh, one, and then she jumped off a cliff. Then I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the fall from the cliff that actually killed her. Whatever. When do I get to interview Anne Rice? I'm sick of waiting. Yeah, well, life in show business. Business is mostly waiting, Jordan. Which you would already know if you weren't just pretending to be in show business. Hell, our party people sometimes have to wait for months for us to do some of their favorite sketches. Why, we tried this thing a while back. They were just crazy about it. We had Christopher read some of... Wait a minute. I have an idea. <laughs> is it still here? Oh, where is that? Oh, got it. Here we go. If you really want to interview Anne Rice soon, read some of this book. Out loud, into that microphone. Are you trying to make me look dumb? I don't have to try on that one, darling. Did Anne Rice write this book? Sort of. Just start reading right here. Okay. They were plump and firm, these breasts. She'd been 15 when the curses struck her, and he bit at her nipples, moving the breasts almost roughly so as to feel their weight. And then lightly, he slapped them back and forth, delighting in this. His desire had been hard and almost painful to him when he had come into the room, and that was urging him almost mercilessly. He mounted her, parting her legs, giving the white inner flesh of her thighs a soft, deep pinch. This is hot. Is there a cartoon version? You are the cartoon version of everything. I want some more. Well, you should run along and read some more of that. But first... Get Fitzpatrick out of that control room. Fitzpatrick, don't freebase in there. I thought we <laughs> thought he went to rehab. He did, but it didn't take because it took him out early because it didn't want to lose my friend. Fitzpatrick, take whatever those are out of your nostrils now. We need to go. I have some reading to do alone. Watch out, Jordan. Order, order, please, please, order. Well, Mr. Ampersand, it appears you have outdone yourself. In your attempt to demonstrate that you're of such upstanding character, you couldn't possibly be guilty of the crimes of which you are accused. You have presented this court with an attempt to pass off a fraudulent celebrity interview as an actual piece of journalism. Your incitement of one friend to provide another with dangerous and illegal narcotics and some opinions about race and drugs which may in and of themselves be grounds for institutionalization. What's your point? Terrorists aren't awesome. I'm awesome. Don't you get it? Mr. Quinn, do you have anything to add? Uh, not right now, Your Honor. This is going great. All right, then. It sounds like a short recess is in order, and when we return, we'll hear from the prosecution 
in the case of the state of California versus Jordan Ampersand. Wait, that's all? When am I not guilty? Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Sacred Cows Roasted Daily. In the continuing case of the state of California versus Jordan Ampersand, in which Mr. Ampersand stands accused of trying to bomb the L.A. Pride Parade, we have heard testimony from Mr. Ampersand alleging to his own good character. Now the prosecution calls Mr. Eric Shaw Quinn, one of the defendant's employers at the dinner party show. The prosecution would call Mr. Quinn himself, but the prosecution has also decided Jordan is too annoying to be in court with, even via video feed. So I'll be calling Mr. Quinn. Mr. Quinn. Thank you, Your Honor. For the past half hour, Jordan has inflicted some of his lower moments with our show on you and tried to pass them off as evidence of his good character. But what's truly at issue here is whether or not Jordan Ampersand is capable of showing a lack of regard for human life. And I submit to you the following dark chapters from Jordan's history with our show will demonstrate that he is more than capable of committing the crimes of which he currently stands accused. And now... Back again like a bad flu is the dinner party show's very own critic at large, Jordan Ampersand. Here tonight to... What? What is this? Why are you passing me this? I can't read your handwriting, Jordan. Oh, for Christ's sake. Most of these are pictograms. What does this... It says I'm taking a vow of silence. Shit, that's over. This ought to be good. Why? Are you taking a vow of silence? Because I don't like what's happening to birds. I refuse to ask for clarification on this. No, seriously, this guy on my street, he cut down this big tree and it got me thinking, where do all the birds go when a tree gets cut down? Hmm. And then I saw all these pigeons outside of 24-hour fitness and they all looked really sad. Oh. So I thought maybe it was time to do something for the birds. How did you get that bruise on your There's arm? There's no bruise. Be quiet. No, seriously, there's a bruise right here on your shoulder. I self-tan. Be quiet. This is actually my radio show. I want to talk about birds. Jordan, we do this every week. Your job is critic at large. It's not that hard. All you have to do is go out somewhere in L.A., do something fun that isn't a felony or a misdemeanor, Mm. and then report back to us about it. That's it. No vague, misguided, half-assed, environmental... Activism is required. I really care about the birds and you're not being fair. Oh my God. I bet if they were humans, you and the world would care. If trees full of babies suddenly had nowhere to hang out and were all outside the gym looking sad, people would do something about it. Didn't we actually give you an assignment this time? I thought we told you to go to the museum. Yeah, well, I Googled the museum and it's in New York. (laughs) 
You did a Google search for the museum? No, genius. I asked my most artistic friend about the museum. His name is Black Lawrence Merriweather, and yes, he's actually black, and yes, he's the one who came up with that nickname, so it's not racist, and shut up. Anyway, Black Lawrence Merriweather has a really fabulous shop in West Hollywood where he makes special scarves with scenes from the Karate Kid on them. Actually, I think some of them have scenes from Jaws 3D, too. Anyway, Mm. Black Lawrence knows all about art, so when I asked him about the museum, he said there was only really one, and it was in New York, and it was called MoMA, and it had really cool shit. MoMA? What? Tell your friend Black Lawrence. It's pronounced MoMA. It's not actually the only museum in the world. There are many others, including LACMA, which is here in L.A., and which is where we told you to go this weekend. Remember now? We also told you it's right next to the La Brea Tar Pits. Are you remembering any of this, Jordan? Like how you didn't remember the tar pits at all until we told you that's where they filmed the movie Volcano? Oh, my God. I love that movie. There's lava everywhere and everyone's running. You can tell if we happen. Which brings us to what actually happened this weekend, which I suspect had something to do with that bruise on your- I just need to say, I feel like you're crossing a boundary right now and I don't feel very safe. How did you get that bruise? Okay, Fine. I was on my way to Volcano Lacma or wherever, and I decided to stop off somewhere else first because it was Friday, and I thought the museum was going to be a lot of work. So I thought it would be better if I was relaxed. So where did you stop off first? A place that sells stuff. Jordan, I'm actually not the one who thinks you're cute. So how about we speed this along? I stopped at a bar. That's all. And that's how you got the bruise. No, I got a Dewey. As in the Dewey Decimal System? That usually is something one finds at the library. Why are you always talking about dumb things that nobody knows? Dumb is a word you should use with the utmost discretion, young man. They're just letters, all right? I don't know what they stand for, but the police were really mad. Oh, my God. You got a DUI. It's totally unfair. I didn't run down a person or a light post or a dog or anything, and all I had were shots. Shots of what? Ghostslugger and Jägermeister, but whatever. They're shots. They're tiny. They shouldn't count. They do count, Jordan. They count very much. Well, I know that now, but I still don't think it's very fair, and I plan on enacting some sort of legislation. Stop. Stop right there. Just Stop, okay? Now, were you actually in a car accident? Is that how you got the bruise? No, the cop got really mad at me and he handcuffed me and put me in the back of the car really hard like I had done something wrong. You did do something wrong, Jordan. You were driving drunk. I know, but I totally made him like a great offer. Oh, no. I thought it would be like I'd seen in the movies, Porn movies? Yeah, but he got really mad. I even told him the girl cop could watch if that was what they were into, but they were not. I mean, they were were Mm. so mad. They were not into it at all, and it was not like the movies. Now you're mad, too. Jordan, you're affiliated with our show. We even use you in some of our promotions. I don't know why, but we do. But it is your responsibility to let us know when you've been arrested for drunk driving before you go on the air. Oh, my God. It's not like I tell you guys everything about my personal life. Okay, you know what? Stop. Just stop. You know, stop. Like, I didn't tell you about the time I broke my neighbor's arm because I blew up the kitchen trying to make my own amyl nitrate. And well, I didn't tell you about the community service my best friend Fitzpatrick and I had to do after the city of West Hollywood found out about our stray cat electric light parade dance-off oh. sponsored by last 
season's Gucci underwear I couldn't get rid of. Oh, my, get out. Just get out. I can't take it this week. I can't just go. What about the birds whose plie you are clearly Plight, ignoring? Plight, Jordan. It's their plight you're referring to. And honestly, the best thing for the birds right now, and everyone else for that matter, is for you to stay off the road, young man. How young do you think I am? Get out! I can't believe I broke my vow of silence for this. Consider this permission to take another one immediately. Hi, I'm Jordan Ampersand, and I'm here to wish Christopher a happy birthday, which is sort of like whatever, because Christopher acts like every day is his birthday. It's sort of like that kid from the old Twilight Zone movie where they're like, every day is Kevin's birthday. Don't make him angry or the TV will eat your face up. Whatever, fine. My point is that Christopher's mom is famous because she wrote Twilight, and so he can have whatever he wants, so why do we have to go to the trouble of she celebrating his birthday? She did not write Twilight, Jordan. She wrote the Vampire Chronicles, which are arguably some of the most influential supernatural novels published in the last few decades. Right, like Twilight. Anyway, you're the one that's talking about his mom while I'm trying to talk about Christopher. You're insulting Christopher on his birthday. I thought that's what you guys did is insult people. Not on their birthdays. Okay, whatever. The point is, I don't like books, but that's what Christopher writes. I've told him like a million times that he should try writing something that people actually like, like a fun song. Anyway, he doesn't say yes when I say that, so I thought I would do a reading from one of his novels as a tribute to him on his birthday because I'm saving up money to go to Ibiza. It's pronounced Ibiza. No, she and I are not friends anymore since she moved to Silver Lake. I'm talking about a vacation, Eric. A vacation from what? You don't do anything. Well, I'm trying to celebrate Christopher's birthday, but you're making this about spelling and words. Fine, let's just do this. Okay, uh, this is from... Oh, crap. Oh, for a second I thought I brought the Hunger Games. Oh, well. Christopher didn't write the Hunger Games, did he? Three minutes, Jordan, and then we're going to tempt the place for fumigation before you have a chance to get out. Okay, fine. This is a reading from Christopher's novel, Light Before Day, and it sounds like the most fun one because it has drugs in it. You realize there are not actual drugs hidden inside of that book, right, Jordan? They're referring to the story. Yes, I know that. Now, after I checked. Anyway, may I read, please? Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> Chapter 18. A good wish past the Avenue, Caroline turned off into a barren field and watched her step out of the truck and head around the back because she opened the cargo door. I couldn't see what she was doing inside, but it looked like she was trying to rouse any cares from the stupor and I stepped out of the car. And so I said, what? What the hell was that? A reading? And the reason you didn't pay any attention to any of the punctuation. It takes up time. What does that even mean? It means it's not very good, so I thought if I read it quicker, people would be less upset that they had to listen to it. Well, now the fucking New York Times has weighed it's in. It's ridiculous. I read it and it made me so mad. Someone gets killed at the beginning and you don't find out who did it until the end. That's too long to wait. I'm telling you, Christopher needs to write stuff that people actually like. Like TV shows. Or porn. Yay, porn. Goodbye, Jordan. Wait, no, 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 shit. Wait, why is it getting dark? Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Let me out, please. Just, uh, No, 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 seriously. Happy birthday, Christopher. Oh, God, it smells weird in here. Okay, whatever. I'm sorry Christopher's a lame writer, but will you please let me out now? Why are my clothes changing colors? Seriously, let me out. 
Hi, hookers. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and I'm here to tell you the meaning of Christmas. No, actually, you're not. I'm not. No, you're here to describe what Christmas means to you personally. No one is asking you to define the meaning of one of the most important and widely observed holidays on the planet, least of all me. Okay, but you're going to put on the Santa suit, right? No, I'm not. Why not? It's a radio show, Jordan. No one can see us. Um, hello. You have cameras on the wall. That's to catch you if you steal anything. You are so mean. That's what I'm calling my segment now, The Meanies of Christmas. And you are the biggest one, Eric Shaw Quinn. Jordan, it was with great trepidation that I allowed you to be part of our Christmas special here at the Dinner Party Show. And so I implore you, please prove my worst expectations wrong. I like how you talk like someone in one of those old-timey plays I couldn't stay awake for in high school. I like how you didn't stay awake for any of high school. You are the meanie of Christmas. Don't you have a really long, drawn-out, mortifying story to tell? I do. Let's go to it, then. Okay, cue the sleigh bells. Last Christmas, money from my reality show appearances was running low, like totally gone low. But I had been sleeping with a guy who likes to read stuff, and he had told me about this funny book written by some funny writer about how he worked as a department store Santa Claus. Now, the writer was really rich and even funnier and lived in Paris, and he was... David Sedaris. Who? The writer's name was David Sedaris. How long are those sleigh bells going to keep ringing? Until you keep quiet? Fine. Okay, so remembering the funny book by the funny writer that this guy I had been sleeping with had mentioned to me once, I decided I would get a job as a department store elf. And then, once funny things happened to me, I would call the guy that I had been sleeping with who had mentioned the funny book, and I'd get him to write the book about it. But after he signed over everything to me so I got all the money and could star in the movie. I swear to God, if you have a movie deal, I will get it. Do you want the sleigh bells to stop or not? Okay, okay, all right. Thank you. Unfortunately, the Beverly Center had all the elves they needed for hunky Santa, so I was forced to look elsewhere for Christmas time employment. My journey brought me to a new pet store on Melrose where Santa Claus was actually St. Bernarda Claus, but that was kind of a disaster, so I should move on to the next part of the story. I don't think so. What happened at the pet store, Jordan? Well, St. Bernarda Claus was actually a giant St. Bernard in a Santa hat who Mm. had allegedly been trained to take gifts out of a giant box Mm. in his front paws and give them to children who'd been waiting in line while their parents bought dog food. Uh And he was kind of sort of good at it when he wasn't vomiting. Okay, and the disaster? Well, one day he got bored and he ran off into the street with something in his mouth. What was it? Well, it was kind of a child, and I didn't notice because I was texting. Oh, my God. The dog ran into the street with a child in his mouth, and you didn't do anything? I did do something. I texted my friend Fitzpatrick. Oh, oh. my God. St. Bernard Claus just ran into the street with a child in his mouth. Jordan, please tell me you did more than that. Turn off those goddamn sleigh bells. Whatever. The child was fine. St. Bernard Claus didn't bite down, and he came back once the owner of the store pulled out a taser. And I'm the meanie of Christmas. But anyway, that was not the right place for me to spread Christmas cheer. And Mm. they got mad when I modified the costume. Oh, Jesus. Well, I didn't modify the costume myself. I had my friend Fitzpatrick do it. He's the director of visual styling at the Ross Store Van Nuys location, thank you. And we deliberately modified my elf costume to showcase a pet project he has been working on in his fashion lab. I guess I'm supposed to ask what the pet project is. It's a new line of men's underwear 
targeted to the gay is. market, but not really? limited to the gay market. And it involves a strategic use of piano wire and gene therapy to support and augment, if necessary, your male endowment. I'm sorry, gene therapy? Yes, the piano wire has been modified with human DNA to not only lift and protect your essentials, but also to sense a craving for carbs, which will cause it to sink gradually into your flesh, acting as a deterrent. How high were you when Fitzpatrick convinced you to buy this insane underwear? I don't think that's an appropriate question for a Christmas special. Oh, but turning yourself into a slutty elf at a pet store is totally appropriate. A sexy elf. Oh, sexy, I see. not so, slutty. Unlike you, I am a sex positron. I believe you're trying to say you're sex positive, Jordan, and it's a perfectly accurate term for those who seek an active and healthy sex life without trouncing on other people's personal boundaries uh, in the process. Back to my story before listening to you ages me 10 years. Okay, God. so after St. Bernard of Claus did that thing with the child, uh-huh. I called the guy who I had slept with who had liked books and stuff and had told me about the department store Santa book that he'd read. And I asked him if he wanted to write about me in the pet store. And what did he say? He was all mean. He was like, why no. did you sleep with my friend while we were dating? And why did you lie to everyone and tell them I tried to drown you? He didn't try to drown you? In my dream, he did. And dreams are a metaphor for life. And did you sleep Sleep with his friend while you were dating him? Again, I don't find this line of questioning appropriate for a Christmas special. I don't find you appropriate for a Christmas special. That's because I haven't gotten to the meaning of Christmas yet, meaning of Christmas. Get there, quickly. Okay, so I was really upset after the guy was so mean to me about lying about him to everyone and sleeping with his friend. Uh-huh. And I really needed to be with Fitzpatrick, but his parents were in town and they're kind of conservative and they had taken him out to a nice dinner at Chaconi's, which I guess is a nice place. Oh, my God, Jordan. I really needed my friend. Did you go to that restaurant to meet Fitzpatrick's family wearing your modified slutty elf costume? It was Christmas. Oh, my God. Whatever. I wasn't wearing the whole costume by the time I got there because I was without car at the time, and the elf shoes were rubber, and they got all shredded on the way to the restaurant, so I just kind of peeled them off. And they made a place for me at the table and everything, so I was just sitting there and listening to them talk while I had some of Fitzpatrick's father's drink, and his mom was just going on and on and on. She was all like, they removed one breast, now I'm cancer-free, blah, blah, blah. And finally I was like, can we talk about the fact that there's not more reindeer? And it was like I had really made them think about something. And that's when Fitzpatrick's father let me in on a very special secret. I can't wait. A reindeer is just a donkey that's been loved. I see. And that's when they did the most magical thing of all. They drove me to the zoo. And mm-hmm. I could tell how excited they all were because they were laughing the whole way there. Yeah, L.A. has a zoo. Yeah, it's in Griffith Park. All right, sorry, go on. So they drove me to the zoo. And we got to where some donkeys were, and they opened the car door, and Fitzpatrick's father said, Now, Jordan Ampersand, we will teach you how to make a reindeer anytime you want one. Oh, my God. And they opened the gate to the pen, and I walked in, and I opened my arms big and wide, and I said to the donkeys, I will love you until you are the reindeers of Christmas. And then what happened? 
well, I woke up and the doctors were all like, do you remember what oh happened? And blah, 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 blah. Oh, and I didn't say anything because I didn't want them to know the secret of reindeers. And then Fitzpatrick and his dad and some lawyer guy came in and they were really weird. And I was like, you guys, relax. I'm not going to tell anyone the secret of reindeers. And then they were cool. And once they calmed down, I asked them, what did you guys do with all the reindeer I made? And they said they set them free so that little boys all over L.A. might have a chance to see a reindeer at Christmas. Isn't that beautiful? Why are you looking at me like that? Is, is that really where that story ends? Of course it is. Jordan. No, it isn't. Okay, a few days later, I drove back to the zoo, and the donkeys were all still in the same place, so I waited a year until next Christmas when I knew Fitzpatrick was already on the plane flying home to visit his family, and I called his father, and I told him Fitzpatrick likes getting peed on by Armenian guys, and I sent him the emails to prove it. Nicely played, young man. I thought you would approve. Well, I'm the meanie of Christmas, after all. Yes, you are. I still believe, though. In what? Christmas? No, reindeer! Merry Christmas, Jordan Ampersand. Merry Christmas, Eric Shaw Quinn. There you have it, Your Honor. A young man willing to stand by and do nothing while a child is carried off in the jaws of a St. Bernard. A young man willing to get behind the wheel of a car while under the influence of multiple illegal drugs. This is the Jordan Ampersand I know, ladies and gentlemen. What? None of that means I'm willing to bomb West Hollywood. It just means I'm like most of the people who already live here. Mr. Quinn, now that you've stopped complaining about the air conditioning, How I... How about that, Your Honor? Could we maybe Don't just... Don't push your luck, Mr. Quinn. As I was saying, you have spoken quite eloquently in this courtroom today about what a jerk Jordan Ampersand is. But there is another issue to be considered as the evidence is weighed. A pattern has emerged in all of the special reports entered into evidence today. A pattern which has raised a question no one in this courtroom has yet attempted to answer. Is Jordan Ampersand smart enough to be guilty of this crime? Oh, crap. No, I'm an idiot, but I'm cute. And how better to judge the intelligence of an individual than to assess the questions they would pose when they were given the chance to meet God. Roll tape, bailiff. I don't do tape, that's the court reporter. Whatever. anymore, hookers. But everything here is white, too. Where am I? Oh my god, am I in heaven? No, you're not. Is that you, God? Who wants to know? It's me, Jordan Ampersand, your most fun and fabulous creation. After, of course, propeller hats, which are for grown-ups, too, because they're great for fall, because they keep the leaves from falling in your face. Wait, am I dead? If you keep talking to me about propeller hats, then yes. That's so not fair. I wasn't even on any good drugs. See, what happened is I brought my cat to the white party in Palm Springs and someone gave it drugs and it wouldn't come home with me. So I asked someone for a taser and they tased me instead, which is so unfair because I went in the pool and now I'm in heaven, but I'm not dead. I don't understand. What else is new? Are you sure I'm not dead? Yes, Jordan. 
This is called a near-death experience. In your average dramatic presentation, it's a great device for having a famous celebrity do a cameo appearance. But the dinner party show can't afford one, and Anne Rice went back to the desert after her interview last week. Okay, because I thought you sounded a lot like Eric, but he's too old to play God. If God created the universe, that means he's older than the universe, you moron. I didn't realize God was such a bitch. Only when he's forced to deal with his own creations. Jordan, you are here because you have something to learn. That God is not a big, strong black woman like I thought? I am. On some days of the week. It depends on what mood I'm in. Okay, well, what mood were you in when you decided to sort of kill me? Jordan, trust me. You're the last person I want up here right now. I don't actually have a say in this. You see, I sort of set everything in motion and then I have to stand back and watch you people make a mess of it. You people? Are you a homophobe? I'm talking about morons, not gays. Well, if I am such a moron, what could I possibly learn from my near-death experience? I may not be able to control the outcome of everything, but I see far more of time's great expanse than your mortal eyes can ever see. And something lies ahead for you, Jordan Ampersand. Something perilous. Something that will either destroy you or realign the way in which you see the world. Soon, very soon, you will turn 30. <gasps> yes, Jordan, this will be the day when it all comes to an end. This will be the day when the people in your life stop putting up with your stupid crap just because you look shiny and svelte in a speedo. Because this will be the day when you begin to look not so great in a speedo. At 30? No fair! I thought I had till 36 or 37 at least. Yes, well, there are some things I have control over, and I decided to move this one up a few years. Ha ha ha. Anyway, the point, Jordan Ampersand, is that this doesn't have to be the death of you. Just the death of your old way of thinking. Deprived of the physical attributes you have used to skate through life on the razor's edge of idiocy, you will be given the chance to grow something besides pecs and glutes. Kale? No. A brain. Character. Self-esteem. Dignity. The ability to read something longer than an album's description on iTunes. All these things could be yours the minute you lose that pert little backside. You could actually begin to work on contributing something positive to your relationships. In other words, Jordan Ampersand, all the things not good-looking people are expected to do on a daily basis. That sounds awful! Oh, for fuck's sake, you little shit, it's not like I'm asking you to join the Peace Corps. You know what? I don't believe in you. It's just like Al Pacino said in that movie where he played the devil lawyer. You're an absinthe drinking land whore. It's absentee landlord, you idiot. He calls God an absentee landlord. The point is the same. When have you ever been there for me? Where were you when my best friend Fitzpatrick and I were arrested for trying to break into Zac Efron's house? Where were you when Britney decided to do a duet with Will I Am? Night at 
after night, I prayed and prayed never to get another cold sore, and I still get one like every four or five months. What kind of a god are you? A patient one. A very, very patient one. Well, just send me back then and let me enjoy the time I have left before I turn 30. All right then. Wait. I'm listening. If I agree to, like, be a sort of good person now, will you keep my butt cute until I'm, like, 36? I'll take it under consideration. Or you could send me back now as something fun, like a cat. Yeah, you should talk to some folks who took a turn through as a cat. It's really not as fun as you think. They see ten of everything, and they can smell your tochis from across the room. It's a nightmare. Speaking of which... Brittany, fabulous, what are you doing up here? Yeah, sorry to say, she's staying. Why? Well, she asked to, actually. She had a pretty rough time at the white party. And did you spray paint her a different color at some point? Pride colors for gay pride only. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, Jordan Ampersand. Let's make it a while before we see each other again, okay? Stay away from the hard drugs and cap it whenever you can. Goodbye, Brittany Fabulous! Well, I believe the tape speaks for itself. When Jordan Ampersand was given the chance to meet his maker, what did he ask about? Was it the meaning of life? What awaits us when we die? Why is there war, famine, or disease? No! He asked if God could keep his butt cute a little bit longer. In light of this revelation, I hereby declare you, Jordan Ampersand, not guilty by reason of stupidity. Damn it. Jordan Ampersand is to be released from federal custody immediately so that he has ample time to prepare for the dinner party show's forthcoming third season. You monster! Oh, all right, someone turned down the air conditioning for this man. Oh, great, yeah, now that the trial's over, thanks. How could you do this to us? Us? I don't listen to your show. After today, I never have to listen to your show again. Ha 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 ha! It's good to be a judge. Court is adjourned. 